Romans 12, if you would go there, please. Romans 12. Aren't we blessed? Oh, we're so blessed. Sitting up here, air-conditioned comfort, on a padded seat, in our own building, paid for. Nobody telling us what we can preach and what we can't and how quick we got to get out. (laughs) It's the goodness of the Lord. It's the goodness of the Lord. And when people fight what they call the prosperity message, that's what they're fighting. They're fighting having your bills paid. They're fighting having the resources that you need. No, God is the God of abundance. He's always been, always will be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say it out loud. God's will will is abundance. Amen. For you, for me, everybody. God's will is always abundance. When you see lack, you know it's not the will of God. No, it's not. When you see people hurting and doing without and coming short, that is not the perfect plan and will of God. In Romans 12, verse 1, He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, I want to notice that word service today, because we're going to be talking about that. He says your service, your reasonable service, in connection with what's acceptable to God. And in a moment, he's going to talk about the will of God. And this in connection with your service. In verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. So it's not God's will that you and I be carbon copies of everybody else around us that's not believers. We're supposed to be different. Not weird. Different. (laughs) Not spacey. (laughs) Not flaky. Different. (laughs) Don't be conformed to this world, ungodly world, but be transformed. You hear people say, well, you know, you... You should love me just the way that I am. You shouldn't love you just the way that you are. (laughs) I can love you right now where you are, but that doesn't mean I have to love all your goofy ways, all your ungodly ways, all the ways you are not yet like Christ, and you're not supposed to love all my ungodly ways either. No, we need to change. I need to change. You need to change. We need to be changing every day, growing in Christ likeness, becoming more like Him, transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. Well, if you were thinking right right now, you wouldn't need renewal, mind renewal. And most people did not grow up 
in a word-oriented household. A few did a little bit, but most people, even folks that grew up in a religious house, that's not the same thing as what I just said. Not a word-based house. That actually can be stuff you got to get rid of <laughs> in the process of being, you know, transformed. But uh, if if we already thought right when we got born again, there wouldn't be any need for renewing of the mind and transformation. No, when you're born again, that doesn't mean that you automatically think right. You, you got to begin the process of learning how the Lord thinks, learning His ways, His values, His priorities. And you'll find that through His Word and through His Spirit and through His ministry gifts and association with His people and His church. And as you find that out, as your mind is renewed and your thinking is changed, you become a different person on the outside. You... uh, You become different in how you see things and what you value and what you don't, how you talk and how you act. Thank God for being able to change. All of us need to make a lot more change, a lot more growth. Renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if there's a perfect will of God, that word means complete, there is an imperfect, there is a partial, there is an incomplete. So you can be completely out of the will of God, and you can be partially in the will of God, and you can be completely in the will of God. The most unhappy place on the planet is out of God's will. The most dangerous place on the planet is out of the will of God. The most frustrating, unfruitful place is not a geographic location. It's not an economic situation. It is out of God's will. Well, what if you're partially in the will of God? Well, then you're only partially frustrated. That's right. You're only partially. (laughs) Part of the time, you're feeling pretty good about it. Is that right? But then part of the time, you go, just seems like there's more. Just seems like there could. You know why it seems like there's more? Because there's more. (laughs) There's room to move more into the will of God. If... You really want to. If you're willing to. This is a bigger issue. Than most have acknowledged. Like we said there are two giant errors. Concerning the will of God. In churches. One is. That everything that happens. Is the will of God. That is absolutely not true. There's all kind of stuff happening. That is expressly not God's will. And the second one is, is that God's will is too complicated, too high for us to understand. Well, how can we be expected to ever find and do the will of God if we can't even understand what it is? 
These are lies propagated by the enemy through religion, Christian religion, tradition. That's why you need to keep your head in this book, right? Because this helps you to think right. This is mind renewal. And uh, everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter every day, Monday through Friday. You say, what is that? Oh, you need to find out quick, quick. And we're in the book of Revelation now, right? And we're finishing up soon reading the New Testament through in one year. And so uh, join us if you have uh, fell off the wagon and got behind. Well, just repent and join us where we are now. And we'll be uh, issuing a new reading card in, in a few weeks. And it is vitally important that you feed your spirit on a regular basis. And what this helps you do, you just all the time you'll read scriptures and you'll think, "Oh, hold on, no, that's different from how the world thinks." Well, this is how God thinks. Come on, can you see this? And you're in the process of getting your mind right, getting your mind renewed. And what what's the result of that? So then I can know what God's will is. I can discern and distinguish and prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The most peaceful place, the most joyous place on the planet, come on, help me out, is in the perfect will of God. Where's the safest place on the planet? In the perfect will of God. I know... uh, this is back in the mid-80s. We did a mission trip down to Central America. And while we were there, like I don't know, it was the third or fourth day we were there, there was a military coup. Part of the army turns around and starts firing at the other part of the army. They got tanks surrounded the capital and uh, all the flights stopped. And there we are <laughs> in the middle. We went back to the ministry compound. And the man of God that was over that ministry, man, he, he did a great job during that situation. We're all sitting there, and we're, of course, you know, I was, I was younger back then than I am now, and, and uh, uh, we, everybody was a little bit shaken. We're not used to hearing automatic gunfire down in the street, right? We're not, we're not used. The, the fear in the streets was palpable. I mean, you could feel the fear. And um, so the question is, you know, what's going to happen next? And and uh, uh, this man of God, he said, uh, he said, how many of you feel like the Lord directed you to come on this mission trip? Well, man, I, I didn't, didn't hesitate one moment. It wasn't my idea to come. I wasn't going to come. I didn't think I had the money to come. And the Lord spoke to me in such a strong way and then uh, wonderfully provided to me. I knew I was there by the direction of the Lord. Do you know how important that is? That you can say something like that. Are you supposed to be here? Did the Lord direct you to be here? I could say absolutely. I know I am. I know. And he said. Well if you're here by the direction of the Lord. You're safer here right now. Than you would be back home. Out of the will of God. Is that true or not? It is absolutely the truth. And of course we must have been safe. That was years ago. Here I am. We made it. (laughs) It was tough on Phyllis, though. She was back home in Tulsa, and uh, when the flight came in, I wasn't on it. Oh my! Oh. She's sitting there waiting and waiting, and then she finds out that the, 
you know, there's war down there. And, oh, but she's a trooper, man. She just went into faith mode. And she, she, she began to confess that I was coming home. And I came home. But the thing I wanted to say to you, and isn't it true, that we were safer there in the will of God than you were at home where it might be called a safe place, but a lot of people have been hit by a bus in a safe place. Is that right? Or just fell off the sidewalk and hit your head and died right there. I mean, all kind of things happen like this. Supposedly safest place on earth. No, the safest place on earth ain't shut up in your bedroom. (laughs) The safest place on earth, come on, help me out, is in the middle of the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. You, you say that like you believe it. All right. It's because it's true. It's true. Notice this. You don't have to turn there. But, well, actually do. You Go to John 3, and I'll put up something different on the screen. Put on the screen Hosea 4, 6. And you go, please, to John 3 and 19. Like I said, if you're partially in the will of God, can you move on into the perfect will of God? You can. I said, if you really want it, if you're really willing to do it, that is, the further I go in this, the more I'm seeing, that is the biggest obstacle to being in the perfect will of God. The biggest obstacle to the will of God is our will. The biggest hindrance to the plan of God is our plan. And you'll find when it comes to churches, people gravitate, people that do go to church, a whole lot of people don't, but the people that do go to church, they gravitate to churches that share their commitment level. Because with one that's radically different from yours, you are not going to be comfortable. Right? With a group that has a very low commitment level. They mostly just want to do their own thing, but they will come to church once a month, maybe. Sometimes more. But don't talk to them about service. They want to come, be blessed, leave, See you again maybe in a few months. I'm saved. Hallelujah. That's it. But there are others who are willing to go further. Who want to know more about the plan of God. And are willing to make adjustments. And even sacrifices to do it. Truth is, their millions are not willing to be inconvenienced. They are not willing to make sacrifices. They're willing to be ministered to as long as you don't ask much of them. There's all kinds of churches. If you say anything about giving, they, they leave. If you say anything about service, they leave. They don't like that. They only want to talk about, hallelujah, I'm saved. By grace, everything's taken care of. Soon we'll all be in heaven That's it. (laughs) I'm not judging anybody, but I just described millions 
of church-going people. But they're also only partially satisfied, partially protected. Come on, are you with me or not? Partially fruitful, partially peaceful, partially joyful. Because they're only partially in the will of God. Which is better than being totally out of the will of God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But if you're smart. And I pastor smart people. If you're smart. And y'all are. Then you want to go all the way. Because you're convinced. His plan is better than my plan. Doing his will, no matter what it costs you, you're going to come out so much better on the other side. Right? Man, if we have to rearrange everything, so be it. If we have to leave this off, so be it. If we have to do something we thought we didn't want to do, so be it. Let's do the will of God. Let's do all the will of God. Let's do it. Because when you do, you will be fully satisfied, fully protected, fully blessed, full joy, full peace, and full reward. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Man, I ought to preach this to myself. (laughs) Well, it's true, isn't it? Here he says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Well, this would include knowledge of his will, among other things. And for years, when I I first got in the ministry, I had heard other folks use this verse, and I used it, but I stopped right there. People, God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, and for years, I thought the biggest problem was ignorance. People just didn't know. (laughs) But then one day, I read the rest of the verse. (laughs) Man, you get so much when you just read the whole verse. (laughs) I read the rest of the verse, and what did it say? Why did God's people not have the knowledge? Because of ignorance? No. Because they'd never heard it? No. They had, you have rejected knowledge. That's the big problem. Yeah, ignorance is an issue, but it's not the main issue. Because God is good. And if something is major important in your life, and you even halfway act like you want to know, he will show it to you. He will see to it that you, it comes across your path, you come across it, he opens your eyes, you realize it's there, you know, but he will not make us do it. He won't. And therein lies the problem. In uh, John, the third chapter and the 19th verse, he said, this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world. And what happened? And what? No. 
Nobody would love darkness more than light. Most of the planet prefers darkness to light. Well, what is darkness? Among other things, darkness is ignorance. Darkness is not knowing, not understanding, not seeing in the dark. I mean, you know, if we closed everything off here and the lights went out, then if it's dark, pitch dark, then you don't know what's here or here or there. You're unaware. You're lacking in knowledge and understanding. Why would you not want the light? Because you don't want to see what the light is revealing. People it goes on to say, men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because when you know you're doing wrong, you don't want a spotlight on it. You don't want it seen. You want to live in the dark. So it's covered. So it's not, not broadcast, not seen. They love darkness because their deeds were evil. Verse 20, everyone that does evil hates the light. Hates the light? Well, what is light? God is light. Jesus is the light that has come into the world. His word is light. Hallelujah. The revelation of his will and his plan is all light. And there are people who hate the light. Millions despise it. Just don't want to see it. Don't want to hear. Don't want to hear that God is real. Don't want to hear that there is good and evil and right and wrong. Don't want to hear that there's only one way of salvation. Just don't want to hear it. Because if that's true, and they're going to act on that truth, they'll have to quit being their own Lord and submit to His Lordship and quit just making all their own decisions and start asking him what he wants. And millions are not willing to do that. I've heard people say stupid things. Like. I'd rather rule in hell. Than serve in heaven. Then you are dumber than you look. <laughs> that is one of the most stupid things. Anybody could ever say. Obvious. They've never been there. Because if they could go there for about two minutes in hell and then be brought back, when they stopped screaming, they would never say such a stupid thing again. Hell is awful. And it is a place of darkness. Darkness that can be felt. It's a complete absence of light. Absence of love. Absence of peace, absence of joy. That's why it's so tormenting. There is zero joy there. There is no laughing. There's zero peace. Never a moment's rest. Why? Because you're separated from all that is good. Why? Not because God put you there. Because you said you didn't want him. And there's only one other place to go. There's only one other group to be a part of. God is not sending people to hell. They're sending themselves. 
If you don't want Jesus, there is no other salvation. That's it. You don't want him, you will be lost. No ifs and ends, maybes. He is the only way. Jesus said, if you don't believe I'm the one, you will die in your sins. It's awful. It's why we need to get this message everywhere we can. Is that right? As quickly as we can. But you can be sure God is righteous and fair. He is giving people opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. He is revealing to them the truth and reality. The problem is people are rejecting knowledge. They are shutting it down. They're saying, I don't want it. They're saying, I don't care. Thank God he has given us light. Thank God he has shown us mercy and and graced us to make the right choice. Hallelujah. Somebody say, "I, I I want the light. I love the light. Hallelujah. I love the light. Well, well, what if the light shows up some darkness and problems in your life? So be it. Let's deal with it. Let's get it fixed. But I want the light. I want the light. Go to John, if you would, please. The, uh, the eighth chapter. John chapter eight. And on the screen, put up for us Job 21, 14. Job 21, 14 on the screen. You're going to John chapter 8. He talked about individuals that said this. He said, they say to God, depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of your ways. Keep going. They say, what is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we pray to him? They're saying, verse 14, We don't want to know. Did you see that? Back back up to verse 14 again. Depart from us. They're saying this to God. Leave us alone. And go away from us. We desire not the knowledge of your ways. We don't want to know your will. We don't want to know. Like I said, when I first started in ministry, I didn't believe this. I thought, well, the biggest problem is people just don't know. The biggest problem is ignorance and lack of knowledge. And I would quote the scripture, God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge and act like there's a period there. And so the big issue is, is getting, letting people know. But that is not the biggest problem. Now, ignorance is a problem. Don't misunderstand me. But... The way it works is God will give you a little bit of light. And it's up to you if you like it or you don't. And if you like it and you accept it and let it change you, you know what comes next? More light. If you don't want it, then you stop right there. No more light. No more progress. He, he told us, don't give, cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. What does that mean? Don't give precious, valuable things to those who don't appreciate it. 
who don't value it. These words we got over the top here, those who honor me, I will honor. That word honor means to value. You value his things and his works and your time becomes more valuable to him. And he helps you redeem it and he adds all kind of things to you to help you to do it. But if you don't value him, you don't want to know, you don't want to hear, he will leave you to yourself and it won't be good. And, and people out just outright reject him. And people think it's popular now and, and to scoff and mock and say, there is no God. That's just stuff that men made up. Weak people, weak-minded people need the crutch of religion. These are fools. I don't care how many degrees they've got. They are sad, pitiful fools. They're going to breathe their last and they're going to be shocked to find out what reality is. But for many, it will be too late. I want to know about God. I want to know the will of God. Do you want to know? See, these people said, we don't want to know. We don't desire to know his ways. And that's the problem, is that many have gotten a little bit of life. It doesn't matter, friend. If you are 20th generation idol worshiper in the darkest place, you know, your mama is head voodoo witch. (laughs) It doesn't matter where you come from. If you will look up and maybe you're looking at the night sky or something or the ocean and something comes up in you and says, there's a good God. There's a real God. Just that little bit of light. If you will say, I want to know more. (laughs) I want to know more. If you keep doing that, I don't care where you are, the darkest place on the planet. He will lead you step by step into full salvation in Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you want to go further, fill with the spirit, full of the word, full of faith into the next start plan of the will of God, he, you'll come all the way. All the way. But at any point along the way, you say, you know, that's enough. I'm, I don't want to go any further. I, I'm comfortable. I don't want it to cost me anymore. Well, he'll say, okay. All right. This is where you stay. And we don't have 20 years to blow. And 40 years to blow while we figure it out, because soon this life is over. Somebody say, I want to know. know. Do you? See, that's that's the real question. Do you really want to know? If you do, he'll show it to you. He'll give it to you. It'll require changes. One thing you got to stop doing is thinking somebody owes you something. Thinking someone owes you something. Miffed, upset because of something somebody didn't do for you, didn't call on you, didn't use you, whatever. And you got to get rid of that. That is a trick of the enemy. You know, the Lord told Joshua, and man, this is so true. He said, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. What does that mean? 
Nobody can stop you doing the will of God. Who's bigger than God? You say, well, I, I just knew they were supposed to use me in this position, or they were supposed to do this, or they were supposed to do that, and they haven't done it. Well, number one, you could be wrong. <laughs> you could have just conjured up something in your little head and decided that was the will of God. <laughs> but if it is the will of God, time's not past, it's not over, and I'm telling you, nobody's bigger than God. If you will hold on to him, if he has to reshift everything, he can do it. He can get you where you need to be. But you can't be harboring a grudge and upset and sour and, and all these kind of things. You can't be doing that because you'll miss it. Things will go by. Nobody can prevent you fulfilling God's will if you're holding on to him and walking with him that means they're bigger than him they can't stop him things can change so fast so quickly hallelujah Hallelujah. don't be upset about the things in our country they're changing and they're changing fast Hallelujah. Why? There's a lot of salt in this country. There's a lot of light in this country. Hallelujah. Don't just stay mad. Don't just gripe and don't find fault and don't slander people and don't talk evil about folks. Be in faith. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to be in faith around here. And it's faith people like you and me. Go to John then. I tell you what, let's, let's go to John 7 first and review this. We, t- we touched on this, but it needs to be repeated. John 7, 17. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. You'll find... There, there are three different sources of will mentioned in the New Testament, at least. There's the will of God we've been talking about. There's also the will of man, also called the will of the flesh. The will of man, not the same as the will of God. There's also the will of the devil, his will, his plan. And what we need to be able to distinguish is between these. What's God's plan? What's God's will? What's God's way? And what is not? And you don't automatically know that just because you're saved, because you got born again. Or because you've been born again for 50 years. That doesn't mean you automatically know the will of God or you're able to discern it. That comes, like, we, like our text said, by the renewing of your mind. Because you you would know it and discern it because you have learned from the Word and from His Spirit and from walking with Him who He is and what He likes and what He doesn't like. But this thing of a willing heart is major. This actually, a more literal rendering, Young's literal talks about it that way. It says, if anyone may will to do his will, He'll know. If you will to do it, it opens 
up something inside you, it opens your eyes, it opens your ears. If you're unwilling to do it, it blinds you, it closes your ears, it closes the understanding spiritually. Jesus would say to people often, him or those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Well, most all of them had physical ears. What's he talking about? What, what makes a hearing ear? A big thing that makes a hearing ear is a willing heart. Willing to do it makes you able to hear. Now in John the 8th chapter, this is so rich. All the word is. But in connection with this, Jesus, in, before this chapter is over, he is in an intense discussion with these religious leaders. And I mean their, their tempers are flaring, and he's speaking to them straight, and they absolutely want to kill him on the spot by the end of this chapter. So let's read some of it, John 8 and 12. Jesus spoke and said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me, or follows light, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So part of this light is the will of God, the plan of God, the ways of God. Jesus said, I am the light. And he is. And uh, in verse uh, 24, he said, I said to you, you will die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. And they said to him, who are you? Jesus said the same that I said to you from the beginning. He said, I've already told you repeatedly. Did he just get through telling them who he is? Yeah. So what's wrong? Why aren't they getting it? I have many things to say and judge of you, but he that sent me is true. I speak to the world those things which I've heard of him. And they understood not that he spoke to them of the Father. They are not getting any of this. See, the scripture is, is adding in to let us know what he said, but then to let us know they didn't get any of that. They didn't understand who he was talking about or what he was talking about. And they're asking again, well, who are you? He's already told them repeatedly. Is it a problem of ignorance? Not having ever heard it or seen it or known it. Then why aren't they getting it? Is it possible to hear and not hear? To hear it over and over again 30 times and not get it at all? Why? Is that just because you're not smart enough? No, that ain't it. What is it? Is it because the person didn't say it well enough? Probably not. What's going on here? And... Uh, Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am He, and I do nothing of myself. But as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. He that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. I do always those things that please Him. 
Did Jesus walk in the perfect will of the Father every day, every night? He did. Showing us how it's done. And as he spoke these things, many believed on him. Now the rulers didn't confess it, but many people in the crowd, it bore witness with them, and inside they decided, he's the one. He's the one that should come. Verse 31, and he spoke to those Jews that believed on him. He said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth. Now we've quoted this by itself many, many times, but I want you to get it in context now. These religious leaders and others, are they knowing the truth? No, they're not getting it. Now some other people in the crowd are. They believed. And so Jesus is talking to them. He's talking to those that believed. And he said, if you'll continue now in what you have started to believe, if you'll continue with me in my word, let's join this to our text, then you won't be conformed to this confused, ungodly, worldly, religious junk, but you will be able to discern what the will of God is. Hallelujah. You'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind from his word. If you continue in the word. And it will make you free. Hallelujah. The truth will make you. You'll know the truth. Well from his word. His word is truth. And your truth will make, the truth will make you free. Keep going. And so then the religious leaders. Are they happy about this? They said. We're Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man. How are you saying you'll be made free? Are they in the dark? These are the guys with the degrees. Doctors of divinity. Multiple degrees. These are the guys. A lot of people in those days couldn't even read. They couldn't even read print. And printed material wasn't widely available. It was rare. Very rare. These are guys that have had access. University training. They can read. They can write. Some of them know multiple languages. And they're the dumbest people in the bunch. (laughs) didn't have to be but they are why he's talking he's not trying to slander them or upset them he's telling them how it is and how it works and they go we've never been in bondage to anybody what do you mean we'll be free what are they saying we don't need to be free did they need to get set free oh my they were in so much bondage so much darkness, so much confusion, and they're clue. And they up and say, "We don't need to get free. We've never been in bondage. You've been in bondage your whole life. How are you saying you'll be made free?" Jesus said, "Verily, verily, I say to you, whoever commits sin is the servant of sin. That means they just they're bound up in sin, and they're servants to it. He wants them to be free. Keep going." The servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides ever. Keep going. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you're seeking to kill me. 
Because my word has no place in you. He's talking to preachers. Preachers. Leaders of the synagogue. Those who their profession is to study the scriptures. And they're always reading and talking about Moses and Abraham. And they're talking about the coming of the Messiah. Here's the Messiah talking to them. And they hate him. Can you see this? They hate him. They claim how much they love God. And they don't. They're blind. Keep going. I speak what I have seen with my father. And you do that which you have done with your father. Then they answered and said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. You would act like Abraham. Keep going. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. You're not not like Abraham. Is everyone glad to hear the truth? No. The truth is light. No matter how kind you say it. Jesus is not cruel and mean. No matter how well you say it, no matter how perfectly you say it, there are millions, they do not want to hear it. They don't care. They don't want to know. They hate it. They hate the light. He said, you do the deeds of your father. They said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. They claim it, but it's not true. Keep going. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. (laughs) Reckon how they're taking that. (laughs) For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Now that's part of what I wanted to get to. Why are they not getting it? Jesus, is he telling them right? Is he telling them the truth? They're not understanding. They're not putting it together. Why? Remember we read in John 7, 17, if any man wills to do his will, he will know whether it's of God or whether I speak of myself. Why aren't they getting this? They may be brilliant mentally in some other areas. But if you don't acknowledge God and you're not willing to hear his word and do his will, you will be blind and deaf and closed off spiritually. And no matter how plain it is before you, you won't see it. You won't get it. You won't understand it. He said, why don't you understand What I'm saying. Come on do you hear Jesus? Why don't you understand. What I'm saying. Then he answered. He says. He says. Because you can't hear my words. Can you? You're standing there. You're looking at me. The airwaves are bouncing off your eardrums. But. You are not hearing the thing I'm saying. Why? 
Keep going. You are of your father the devil. Wow. (laughs) This is the leader of the synagogue. These are the scripture scribes. (laughs) Because they just got through saying God was their father. And Jesus is telling them it's not true. Being religious doesn't make you a child of God. Going to seminary, going to church doesn't make you a child of God. You must be born again. And if you've been born again and you love God, you want to know his will. You want to know his word and his truth. You want to know it. He said, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, you will do. Now, this is, uh, listen to another translation of this, because it's actually surprising to, to some. The English Standard Version says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Whose will did they want to do? Their father's will. The devil's will. Ministers, religious people, didn't want to know the will of God. They wanted to do the will of the devil. Now, you wouldn't have been able to convince them that they're of their father, the devil, but they are. Jesus is right. And one of the things that makes it so obvious is he goes on to say, he was a murderer from the beginning. Now let's just stop right there. He's already told them what two or three times he knows they want to kill him. That's in their heart. They want to murder him. They, they would like to do it right here, right now. Well, that shows their hearts. Are they of God? No. Where did they get a murderous heart from? The devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he doesn't stand in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks of his own. Because he is a liar. And actually the father of lies. Lying did not come from God. God did not create deception. Deception and lies have nothing to do with him. The devil created lies. He came up with deception. You're of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. Thank God we don't have to be that way. I said we don't have to be that way. We we don't have to think that way or, or live that way. He said verse 45, because I tell you the truth. You don't believe me. Which of you convinces me of sin? If I say the truth, why don't you believe me? And then he answers the question. He that is of God hears God's words. But you don't hear them because you're not of God. One of the biggest reasons why millions are not in the will of God is they don't want to be. A little bit of light came to them. Many of them back when they were kids. Back when they were teenagers. There was a moment. Or 
multiple moments where they had a realization of truth and light. God is real. You need Jesus. He is the only way. His word is true. Sadly, millions looked at that for a moment. In their heart, they knew it was true. But they decided, I don't want to know. They had other plans. They're pursuing a sport. They're pursuing a profession. They're pursuing this. They, they want this or that. You look up and 30 years have passed. God's merciful. Yeah. You come across a preacher on TV. <laughs> and he or she is saying something. And God touches your heart, takes you back to when you were 13. And for a moment, you see it. And in your heart, you know, God's real. He cares about you. Has a plan for you. Wants you to know it. Who you need is Jesus. Sadly, millions, they sit there for just a moment, especially if nobody's around. They think, change the channel. Sometimes that's it for another 20 years. Thankfully, a number don't. They sit there. When we lead them in a prayer, they lead them in a prayer, they pray the prayer. Woo! They call the number. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. They get up next Sunday. Go to church. Oh, hallelujah. Well, I'm talking about some of us now, isn't it? And if you want more light, he'll show you. Don't despise a small step because it's connected to the whole big thing. Just the simple thing. Get up and go to church. That's how you get more light. Okay, go again. Go to that meeting. Listen to that series. Read your chapter. Join a team. One thing leads to the next thing you know. It's not just affecting what you do ministry-wise, but your thinking is getting changed. Your mind is getting renewed. You're not thinking like you used to. You don't see things like you used to. And you start making changes in your personal life. And your priorities and your schedule changes. What just happened is you moved up five steps into the will of God. You're more in the will of God now than you've ever been in your life. Oh, come on, can you see that? And you have a sense of of greater satisfaction, a a greater sense of accomplishment and and fruitfulness. And and you got some more joy than you used to have and and some more peace than you. And if you're smart, come on, help me out. If you're smart, what will you do? If you're smart, you will keep going all the way and you will be so happy that you did. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.